this is Coach's Chat, and I'm Betsy Foster. You're in for some thoughtful conversations with fitness industry professionals, musings on current topics in the wellness field, and actionable advice for building a thriving career as a fitness professional. At Foster Strength, my mission is to lead and educate colleagues in the fitness industry to deliver client-centered coaching that gets clients real results built on sound scientific principles, encourages them to build a long and fulfilling relationship with exercise, and disrupts toxic fitness culture to foster an inclusive industry. Let's get going. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Coaches Chat. Betsy here, keeping today's short. Do you think I can do it? I do. I think I can do it. I wanted to update you quickly, though, about sort of um, what's going on with the podcast. So we're getting into summer here, and I'm going to get some more interviews back on. I have I have sort of these two interviews in limbo because some recording issues. So I'm going to um, attack those, but we'll get some other folks on here. But it's also nice to have these short ones on. um, And there'll probably be more short ones that are just me over the summer, because um, with vacation scheduling and stuff like that, they're just sort of like hiccups in the road of making sure two people can get us a time scheduled. So as they come on the line, I'll let you know. And then the the next episode that comes out will be sort of the official start of summer. And I've got some themed episodes coming for you around sort of my focus for the summer, helping clients with consistency and knowing what to do. So look forward to those coming soon. But I want to get into today's topic, which is the dreaded your client shows up with no warning ahead of time and tells you that they're injured and they can't do X or that their PT told them they can't do blank. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be a critical thinker in the moment, how to support our clients through injury or challenges like that, and then how to move forward. So getting into this, a bit of this topic comes from the personal experience of those first years as a trainer or coach, worrying sort of constantly about clients' fragility, i.e. always worried that I was going to break somebody. And I think part of that fear is instilled by the large gyms that new trainers work for or the certification bodies because there's a liability aspect to it. So if they hammer home that you have the potential of harming someone, you will hopefully be more thoughtful about it. And I think for some people that's really helpful because some people are not thinking that way. And probably from a large corporation standpoint, it is better to err on that side. But as I tell people, for me as a child, I was the child who was like always doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And then the teacher would say, seems like someone isn't doing whatever, or some of you aren't being quiet. And I would immediately go like, am I not being quiet? I would internalize this and suddenly like ask the question uh, and worry that I was doing something wrong when clearly I was not. 
I knew that about my own behavior. But in those first years of training, that's sort of where my brain went. Like, I just really need to make sure that I keep them safe. And in some of that, I was a little risk averse and probably erred on the side of like not pushing people to a place where true adaptation is going to happen or adaptation at a rate that we're going to see significant progress in a meaningful amount of time. So getting comfortable with the parameters of what is safe and how to keep your clients safe. Also with the acknowledgement that there is no way you're training tons of people and no one is ever getting injured. I say that not to say like the goal is to, it is to not stress about clients getting injured. It's to just say that like accidents happen and they can be your fault. They can be the client's fault. They can be the like weather or incident or like circumstances of that specific day. So some of that has to be sort of lifted off of you a little bit, but I'm not going to spend too much time on that. I just want to talk about then how do we start being comfortable with working around injury and not being afraid to continue to help someone train when they are maybe experiencing discomfort, pain, somewhere. So let's take this, and I'm, and I'm talking about a scenario where someone comes to you at the start of the session and gives you the information. So there are probably two different scenarios where someone texts you, calls you, emails you ahead of time, gives you the rundown. In that case, you have a little more time on your own to sort of prepare, to run through what you're going to say, all of that. And oftentimes we can just present a more comprehensive picture and come with a better plan in that case. But oftentimes clients are going to not necessarily think about the significance of it or not think about how it might affect what you are planning to do. And the two circumstances can be like they walk in and tell you that something on them hurts that day um, or they walk in and tell you that their PT general practitioner or something like that has told them to avoid X. So let's take those two circumstances. So let's talk about first when someone comes in and says they have an ache or a pain. I like to, this is, this is going to be overarching advice, but not necessarily, uh, nothing I say is set in stone. So there are circumstances where you may do something differently. But one of the things to get to with a client is whether or not they're experiencing a little discomfort, whether they're experiencing pain. I think those two things are really important to um, try to delineate. And this can be difficult when folks own body awareness is a little bit limited and or they don't uh, own the vocabulary that sort of helps you through this. So depending on your experience level, you can opt to. One, one option that is always okay is to say, okay, we're going to probably avoid any movement that affects that body part. What I'd like you to do if this persists or this is still something going on it, before you see me the next time, I'd like you to reach out and here's a referral to the appropriate um, medical professional that you should 
C, referring out is always a good option. So that's a, that's a totally viable and like if you were doing a scale of safest bet to not safest bet, that would be it. Now, depending on your experience level, your trust in your own ability level, you can say, all right, thanks, Susan. I wonder if you could describe a little bit more of the sensation to me, get some information on that sensation, and then move to, would you feel comfortable if we tried one, two, three, four assessments at the moment? And these assessments can be sort of your textbook assessments. They can also be assessments that you've developed over time when someone says they have a specific set of discomfort. So if someone says they have back, low back discomfort, to me, there are a few things I can look at and I can have them run through to determine whether or not it is a strength, stability, biomechanical um, you know, issue, whether or not it's something else going on somewhere that maybe needs a little attention today because of things getting out of whack in their day-to-day life, or maybe they're not recovering well from the last workout or, you know, you name it. A lot of people are going to have like this epically beautiful um, movement mechanic movement mechanics in their session. And then when they go home, they're like falling into their old habits or to what is most comfortable for them. And that's sometimes where we get tweaks or discomforts or whatever. But again, these are generalizations. Please put an asterisk. I didn't look that up after last time. Uh, These are generalizations. So if that person is open to it, you could run them through some assessments. And if you go from the red light discomfort to the yellow light or green light and it feels like you can move forward, then you can move forward with the caveat of saying, I'm going to be consistently asking for feedback. I'm going to use all the information that I've learned from my certifications and my courses about what movements might be contraindicated for this kind of discomfort if we can't um, if we can't make any inroads and then we'll kind of move forward. So you want to get that permission from the client first before you move forward with that. Again, I'm not jumping into the workout and saying, let's see how it feels. I'm saying, let me run a few of my assessments first to see how we're going. With each step of this, Once you, even if you have deemed, you figured out the issue, they're saying that they have less discomfort now, you still have to check and make sure they're okay with moving forward with the plan and that they know at any point they get to raise the flag and say, I don't feel comfortable with this today. I think even in this discomfort, if, if it's not something that can be... Um, really acutely impacted right in the session, it's probably a good idea to refer out. Someone who is feeling pain should get referred out. If it's discomfort, if they're saying I'm a little achy, I'm a little stiff, words like that, you may not need to. But it's never it's never a bad idea um, if you are doubtful to refer out. Because sometimes you know, we uncover things that we didn't know and we can't, we can't be so concerned about a client needing to take a break or a client needing um, to change their workouts for us to be um, stingy with our 
care for them as a person. So I'm not sure if I've been clear in this, but I the these assessments they're really only if that person is not like in excruciating pain or if someone says like they're in pain after you've had the conversation of discomfort, achiness, um, a little burning sensation or whatever, uh, you know, fatigued, and they keep coming back to pain. They keep coming back to, and maybe burning sensation is not the right thing. Um, they keep coming back to, oh, this is really, really bad. Then, um, then I would make sure that you're referring out and, and not moving forward either way. You, you could move forward with exercises, let's say, that um, don't make them feel that or, or don't even involve that body part. But I would um, tro- probably refer out. The... Again, this is always up to your discretion, but you're checking in with that person regularly. So then we need to talk about next the um, version where someone has already seen their PT and their PT or their doctor or something said, uh, you can't do X. Now, if... I always ask for my clients to um, bring any sort of printouts from their PT, printouts from their professionals, so that I have some sort of like um, information because sometimes things get a little bit lost in translation, um, particularly around sort of like the language around certain movements and the vocabulary there. But the other thing that we really want to aim to do is hopefully have a conversation with that practitioner. So getting, um, requesting to have access to the medical records of that person. So simply by asking your client, could you please um, add me to the list of people who can talk to your practitioner about these? And then I can call them and we can have a conversation so I can get on the same playing field with them. And that is really helpful because one, it shows superior service. You're going above and beyond. You're going to the next level in order to have a conversation with this um, other professional. You're thinking about their health, their well-being in a collaborative manner. But it also engenders some respect with that other professional because what you're doing is, is saying, you know, I care about what you say. Sometimes we see trainers get the note from the PT and they just blatantly um, ignore it and because they quote unquote know better. Sometimes your philosophies aren't necessarily going to mesh and it's up to the client who or what they want to feel most comfortable with moving forward. If I don't necessarily love the instructions that someone has gotten from a practitioner, I don't necessarily immediately do something different. I usually suggest they go get a second opinion. Sometimes there are people in different fields who don't have a ton of background in strength and conditioning. And I think some of the old sort of medical standards 
aren't inclusive of heavy lifting or don't really understand the um, mechanics of that or how we progress and don't necessarily have a great context for the level of knowledge, experience, and um, attentiveness that a personal trainer does give their client, or at least some of them do. So I usually, if someone is giving like wildly antithetical advice to what I would do in the training room, I'll ask them to get a second opinion. Usually though, we're kind of on the same page because they understand that what we're doing in this rebuilding rehab phase. And then ideally I'm going to complement that in that six to eight weeks, maybe that they're seeing their PT. And because I've complimented that I'm, and I'm really aware of what's going on, I can move forward with um, their training and then help them progress from there and hopefully use that context to train them further without returning to that injury. So that's really important. So if the day of thing happens, ideally they're letting you know ahead of time, but if the day of thing happens, I'd suggest going with exactly what they think their PT said. Um, Ask for those printouts, ask for whatever information that they were given from their PT, and then try to get in contact with that professional Get that information so that you can begin to have a professional relationship. Um, Ideally, if you are in a place where you can have a relationship with a physical therapist, an athletic trainer, a massage therapist, any of these sort of other ancillary, um, uh, you know, allied professionals, I guess that's um, a little bit more of the word I'm looking for. If you have the ability to build that network, then you're already in communication and they're doing referrals to you and you're doing referrals to them. But maybe the referral conversation is another story. So in all of these cases, we're not doing drastic things when they come in. We are erring on the side of caution. We may go to extreme caution if we feel that um, we don't have the skills with which to sort of change on the fly, or we use these assessments. And um, if the uh, difficulties they're dealing with are not extreme pain, maybe we're able to play around with those dials and get them out of that discomfort so they can train to a place where it's comfortable for that given day. We're not doing drastic things as far as... um, going against what their PT says until we can have a conversation with them. Maybe if we feel like the advice is um, not in alignment with how we run our training business, we can ask that they get a second opinion and hopefully refer them to a professional that we know has a better understanding of um, training and strength room and things like that. So those are our options there. The important thing is not to stress. The important thing is to use your expertise, but also let the client be the guide. Dealing with injury, dealing with discomfort is not only difficult from a physical standpoint, it's difficult from an emotional standpoint. Let's say you were being really consistent and you feel like you're going to get sidelined by this. You have an emotional reaction. They're coming in with that. And so how can you adapt their training to help them deal with both the physical 
impacts of not feeling good that day and also the emotional impacts. And, and we think about that for like bigger injuries. We talk about like season ending injuries or injuries that are going to keep you out of the gym for six to 12 weeks or something. But the little day to day ones are frustrating too, because it just feels, it can make someone feel like they're broken. And We live in a world where our circumstances as far as sedentary lifestyles and and sort of, you know, our work days and things like that don't often allow for us to be in the most mechanically advantaged position or things like that. And so we just want to consider how the, the training space can sometimes be a real, um, a real place where it's the one point in someone's day where they get to challenge themselves and see themselves rise to that physical challenge. And if you feel like uh, you can't do that, it's a huge bummer. So you're bringing that into it too. So think about that as you approach and not getting um, immediately frustrated by their request to change things up, being thoughtful about it, um, it's an opportunity to show what you do really, really well. So it's going to happen. People are going to do that every time, all the time. And you want them to tell you when something's uncomfortable. You want a person to have the comfortability level and the trust and the no fear in being able to honestly say, this doesn't feel good today. Because if you don't have that, people are hiding it from you and that's how they get injured later. So it's going to happen. It's going to come on the fly. Your program will still be okay if you have to change things. If you don't have the ability to be flexible in your program, you're not really training anybody. You're just, you know, making a pretty program on a PDF. You've got to be able to adapt because we are dealing with human beings and not robots. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. And um, let me know if this is helpful for you. Let me know if you have some other topics around this. I'm, I'm trying to um, really tune into what my clients are coming into sessions with and what I'm seeing really regularly or what I've seen regularly over my career so that I can provide you with information about things that you'll certainly see if you're working with training clients. As always, you can find me on Instagram at foster underscore strength. You can DM me there. You can send me an email, Betsy at bfosterstrong.com. Don't forget that I have the plug and produce programming workbook. It's free at bfosterstrong.com slash plug and produce. Um, so you can access that if you're, if you're struggling with programming stuff, stay tuned for more content over the summer and more episodes and until next time, bye.